holidays, Feeling Scene fans. We are taking a week off to close out this year, but we have one of our favorite episodes to reshare with you today, my interview with Auli'i Cravalho from April of 2022. What a humdinger this one is. At the time, Auli'i was co-starring in the delightful rom-com Crush from podcast fave Sammy Cohen, who also directed this year's You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah. And in just a few weeks, you can see her as Janice in the brand new Mean Girls musical. So enjoy this one, please, uh, even close to as much as I enjoyed recording it, and stick around at the end when I will share some of my favorite movies of 2023. everybody and welcome back to feeling seen the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen and my co-host for today part of a pantheon really part of an important pantheon of cinema uh you might know her voice you you might have first met her by hearing her as the voice of moana um if you are a parent with small children i bet you super know her voice uh, you might know her from the uh, Netflix movie Altogether Now. You might know her from an upcoming series that she's going to be starring in called The Power that I believe is on its way. But right now, what I beseech you to know her from is the movie Crush, which is debuting on Hulu. Auli'i Cravalho, is there anything else I forgot to say to set you up pr- correctly for the people? Uh, no, that was a excellent introduction, actually. <laughs> I pride myself on a strong introduction, so I'm trying to live up to that every week. So I'm glad I'm glad you think so. You listed every single one of my credits. I am thank you. <laughs> how how are you today? How's it going? I am doing really well. I I've honestly been on a press tour for a Crush now for just uh, like the last week and I've yeah. got to talk about characters and mm-hmm. a queer love story that I am really proud of. Could you tell us what Crush is about briefly? Absolutely. So my name is Oli'i. I play AJ Campos. I am one of the co-captains of the track team with my sister Gabriella. And then suddenly Paige, this artist, joins the track team. And she's not great at running. She's not even good at running. But (laughs) when she joins our team, she has the biggest crush and throughout our film, we realize the difference between a crush, which is so vivid and it feels like the person is walking in slow motion and fireworks are exploding behind them. The difference between crush and love and being mm-hmm. vulnerable and sharing parts of yourself that have otherwise um, gone unnoticed or swept under the rug for a reason or another. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Crush follows Paige and her understanding between a first crush and a first love and how they look differently. You know, I can't spoil anything because it's like only going to be newly out and everybody has to come into it fresh. But I texted my producer, Marissa, lovely producer Marissa. Um, after I watched it, I was like, well, that I was like, good news. It's a goddamn delight. Yay! And I had a great time watching it. It was I was charmed when it when it was ending. I was like shit already like we just we just got here um i had a wonderful time with you and your movie and you said in in a still that you posted of the movie on on your ig feed you were like you guys want 
You guys want a queer love story with a happy ending that's not built around layered trauma? Surprise! Crush is coming! And <laughs> yeah. I really appreciated that you gave it that specific framing because you're right. Thank you're you. right. I did a list once for Vulture of 40 lesbian love stories, like for, for a Pride Month list. Uh, I got to say, conservatively, 80% of those ended ended horribly. <laughs> 80% of those, it was like, we're going to be crying, we're going to be longing, we're going to be lost, we're going to be filled with regret, we're gonna be, it's going to be tragic. Uh, Not this one. Not uh, It's refreshing, I swear to God, just let people be happy. <laughs> like, some people are gay and they fall in love and they live happily ever after. Is that so hard? No, it's not. It's not. Clearly in posting that, like, the media that you grew up on or or the perhaps the things that you see now and, and i think we're sort of tipping perhaps over the other side but y- you have an awareness even that like that is the standard that is sort of what we are meant to expect and you you come a full like i think around 16 years after i do and it's still an awareness of this sort of like crushing tragedy paradigm when it comes to just queer love stories mm, yeah well i i'm also I'm used to being the minority, no? So I'm yeah. a young woman of color. I'm specifically Hawaiian. We don't have very many Hawaiians in this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also identify as queer. I'm bisexual, mm-hmm. out and proud, always have been. I Shouts out panoramic gray sexual over on this end. <laughs> we are here. We are queer. And we are we are thrilled. I That was a joyful scream on my end. <laughs> I don't know if it sounded joyful, but I meant it that way. It did. It looked that way, too. Good. Um, but I also came out on, came out, quote unquote, on TikTok, like a couple <laughs> came years Came out ago. after you had been living out kind of always, it sounds like. Correct. And I lip synced to a Eminem song at like 3 a.m. during the pandemic and it blew <laughs> up and like everyone went crazy about it. But like my true coming out story is just that I, I had the conversation with myself when I was in, you know, maybe middle school or whenever mm-hmm. it was. And I was like, oh gosh, girls are just so pretty and soft and they smell good. And that was that was my coming out, you know? So <laughs> yeah. you're, you're like, well, that's self-evident. Like that, okay, yeah, that's that's my truth and I'm going for that. Right. Um, and what really drew me to Crush was one, the characters and how full and vibrant they are. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that our film doesn't focus around a coming out story because I've seen that before and yeah. and and I, like, what happens the day after you, quote unquote, come out? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, it truly is the first day of the rest of your life. So right. let's get on with it. Right. Our lives are just as full and vibrant without it focusing solely on sexuality. To, to, talk, to talk about a coming out story, it could be trite. You could want to skip it entirely. But like, you seem like you're pretty close with your mom and your mom seems like pretty cool and seems pretty rad. Was that, Thanks. was when that coming out, like the, the way I've read you speaking about her, it's like, wow, that kind of seems like a great ass mom. Um, was that, she a, was, was very that... surprised. She was very she was surprised. surprised. Yeah. Okay. I, we had never discussed it. I don't like talking about it, to be honest, because I feel like my, my sex history is, is very personal to me. And, yeah. um, and I, I never like told her that I was dating a girl. I only ever told her when I was dating guys because I felt like mm-hmm. that was the more scary of the two. Because yeah. I understand women, like yeah. And and um, so she found out through family members texting her of like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're so proud of Ali for coming out on TikTok. My mom was like, 
give me your phone, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> can, you hand, can you hand that to me? I want to I check that out. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so I, the, again, the premise of the show, uh, we are, we are, we discuss characters with folks who come on that, that made them feel sort of represented. They felt a, a moment or a broad experience of recognition when they saw them on screen. And when I found out you uh, were going to bring M- Mulan to the table, I got immediately excited because this is, this is A, it's rich text. And B, this is the first time we've had a Disney heroine discussed on the show. And I think that's kind of a fascinating delay considering these movies are like one of the grand unifying experiences of multiple generations of people's being raised watching these cartoons, these films together separately in homes across America, continental United States and otherwise. When did when did you see Mulan the first time? I really appreciate this. I saw I couldn't tell you the first time I saw Mulan. I had okay. Disney films on VHS. Um, In like the soft, squishy boxes, like those yeah! big plastic, yeah, the oh official God. Disney boxes, yeah. Oh my gosh, that like unlocked a memory. Um, <laughs> but yes, and I didn't have cable growing up, like strictly PBS or those tapes. And mm-hmm. so I I related to Mulan because I, I grew up in Hawaii as well, and mm-hmm. it is such a, a multi-generational um, melting pot of a state and of a culture. Mm-hmm. And so for Mulan, I I just, I related to the fact that she was never going to be good enough until mm-hmm. she literally went to war and proved it to her father. Like mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. stakes were so high of honoring her family. Could, could not, indeed she needed to save all of China. Correct. She needed to save all of China. Couldn't be higher. I knew it. I knew it. That Mulan was a troublemaker from the start. Don't look at me. She gets it from your side of the family. She's just trying to help her father. But if she's discovered, Baju will be forever shamed. Dishonor will come to the family. Traditional values will disintegrate. Not to mention they'll lose the farm. I'm an only child, and Mm -hmm. my mom, who I absolutely adore, is someone who has a very specific way of believing that things should be done. And if it isn't done in that order, it isn't completed to the best of its ability. And so I wanted to make people proud of me. I also wanted to be strong. I grew up doing all kinds of different physical activities. I was doing Aikido. I did horseback riding, piano. My mom put me in as many things as possible. And I wanted to excel in all of them. (laughs) Hard. Yes. (laughs) Tall order. (laughs) And to relate it like back to Mulan, like there was such a, like almost a disguise of like, who am I? Who am I on the inside? And yeah, I always related it back to that movie, to be honest. But also people have teased me a lot because they (laughs) say that, like that I should have a more, um, like that I should have a, a role model who is in like live action. And, and I, I, my favorite films have always been animation. I don't watch a lot of movies and mm. I, they're comforting to me. And I almost refuse to, to watch live action because it's scary. <laughs> Why comforting? What's comforting about them? Well, one, of course, I've, I've watched so many animated films that I know what's sure. coming. So I will watch them again and again. Got it. But also that I can... I don't know. I can see myself more so in animated characters because there's 
more room to play, like their characters, yeah. as opposed yeah. to live action, where I'm supposed to believe that you are a real person. No, this this makes a lot of sense to me. Like I, even even if I don't experience experience things the same way as you do, I can completely see there's a lot of latitude for creativity and projection and fantasy and imagination and animation. Mm. And I think as you know, one of the most one of the most fantastic parts of these conversations I get to have on this podcast is, you know. There's talking about representation, which is really good. And then there's the vital component of that, which is talking about the absence of. Like, I'm very fortunate in my cisness and my my white, you know, middle classness to be able to find, even if in my queerness, I have not found hardly any representation. Asexuals? <laughs> Never matter. Who are they? Mm. Um, I assure you we exist. But... As far as, like, rep, like me literally as a figure mirrored back, like, I can find that physically. I can have avatars. But I want to have as many people on as possible on this show who don't have a simple answer for that and talk about the sort of creative genius work that people have to do to find themselves elsewhere when they don't get to have that linear one, one-to-one identification. So that makes a lot of sense for me as far as, as far as animation goes. Wow, this is an extremely validating conversation. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, does that track for you? Is that just me making something up that doesn't fit what you're telling me? No, that that fits quite well. And then I also imagine that, like, when we look at films from kind of, and and we ask ourselves, are you queer-coded? Then it also (laughs) makes things so much more interesting and so much more fun. And I do have, right, and I have more leeway in animation. I cannot imagine the experience of not watching everything and being like, well, that's kind of gay. Even <laughs> if it's just like two people having coffee, it like in separate rooms on the phone. Like, I'm like, what are straight people even doing when they watch things? <laughs> if they're not constantly just projecting and headcanoning everything. I don't even get I don't even get it. I don't even know what that process is like because I am constantly just being like, I mean, but if, I mean, they're obviously going to hook up. Well, that's gay. Well, that's canonically queer. That's a haunted locket. Like, well, okay. Like, that's, it consumes a large percentage of my cultural consumption time. So, yes. Obsessed with that. (laughs) Do you, too, participate in the exercise of making esoteric and completely unrelated things canonically gay just for fun? Absolutely. Everything is camp if you look at it hard enough. (laughs) Absolutely. So, okay, this is the the plot of Mulan is about expectations. Mm. This person's expectations of themselves versus the external expectations around them and the process of self-discovery in sort of that limbo. And that is not not a part of your character, AJ, in Crush, mm. which is, you know, you have this character who, like, you know, she has the veil of, myst- you know, mystery about her. And that's, you know, kind of like a a superficial part of her character. But that as we sort of peel back that mystery a bit, we understand that she, too, is at odds with, like, the expectations around her and, like, her home and family life versus what her passions are. And I wanted to talk to you about, like, you as a public figure and going through this, like, arc from, like, surprise, I'm going to audition for Moana and I didn't Mm. plan that, to present. And being, like, suddenly you are exposed to, your mom saw, your mom had family members being, like, Congratulations, Ali! This is so exciting! She's like, give me that phone. And now it's suddenly you're answering to the world in a way. And so I wanted to hear from you about navigating that expectations internally versus externally that I would imagine you surely find yourself on a sort of razor's edge of sometimes. Mm, yes. I... <sighs> My name, Ali. 
as my mom would describe it, means dainty, exquisite, and perfect. Oh, God. And That's beautiful and also loaded. <laughs> loaded. So. No I, pressure. Listen, Mulan and I going head to head. But I, I didn't expect to be a role model when Moana came out and I turned 16. So Moana came out the day after my 16th birthday. I had a very sweet 16 mm-hmm. doing press in Toronto, Canada. I got to be worked two hours earlier because suddenly I was a little bit older. And while I uh, wasn't right. an adult, like the the hours changed for child labor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and the weight of it hit me because social media was also so important and has continued to be so important and my own social media presence has changed from the Disney of it all and getting posts approved by my mom and then sending it to a Disney publicist and then being able to post it to to thinking of activism which is I think that word is thrown around willy-nilly like I am not an activist just because I repost someone's infograph to my socials um and yet as a public figure who has clout has followers it is simultaneously expected of me to steer my generation in the right direction but also keep my mouth shut because i'm just an actress Mm -hmm. so i like the answer is i have no fucking idea what i'm doing (laughs) i am nearly 21 i love making films I love being a queer person who is also a person of color and a young Hawaiian in this industry. But through and through, I am just trying to learn about myself through the characters that I play. That was actually something I was going to to ask you exactly about, because these are like, I would imagine in a way, these almost become sort of instructors, Mm. like these sort of instructor figures in one's life, especially like coming through the industry at a formative age, like you're we try on a lot of hats to figure Mm. out who we are as we get older and it just so happens that you're living inside of whole created people (laughs) yeah in the course of also finding yourself and I wanted to hear about that relationship with character and and your own life yes I (laughs) I enjoy acting because I I get to try new things so Mm -hmm. um for AJ she is co-captain of the track team and she was written as a very avid skateboarder. And so mm. I practiced running, <laughs> which is a weird <laughs> phrase, but I did. And I'm not great at it. And I was mm. huffing and puffing. And to BH, like my boobs were bouncing up and down and I felt uncomfortable. Like it just, it was, it was tarred. Yeah. And then I started uh, skateboarding and I fell down a lot. And my, my ego, Ali's ego bruised. Uh-huh. So bruised. And um, it was important, though. And that's the homework that I like to do for different characters. Because mm-hmm. for AJ, I then imagined this is someone who is used to failing and being told, you need to get up and go try again. And being slow on the track or having a bad day and it affecting her performance and having to show up the next day and do better. And then... I And then in my head, I go, ah, so she's a perfectionist. And that's something that I can relate to. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just making different connections to character, I think, make me a more empathetic um, person, which then makes me a better actor because 
I think people know when you're acting mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what we're actually looking for is you're, you want to see someone live on your screen. And my, <laughs> the reason I love acting so much is that it's difficult because I have to do less. <laughs> like I had a great director, Brett Haley, tell me once, if you think it, we'll see it. So instead, right, it's, yeah. it's about going through the thought process of your character. And the really hard part then is doing it again and again and again with all of the takes and making it different <laughs> every time and then playing off of the person in front of you and actually actively listening. But it's a good time. We are going to take a quick break, but we will be back with more from, honestly, my new friend, Ali Igravalio. Hey, this is Andrew Reich, the host of Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. If you've never checked out Dead Pilot Society, this month's episode might be the place to start. The cast is incredible, headlined by the one and only Zoe Deschanel, and also featuring Paget Brewster, Michaela Watkins, Hamish Linklater, Asif Ali, and Maximum Fund's very own Hal Lublin. So go to MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcatcher and check out this incredible cast on the latest episode of Dead Pilot Society. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I. Hmm. Were you trying to put the name of the podcast there? Yeah, I'm trying to spell it, but it's tricky. Let me give it a try. Okay. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, call S-T-O-P-P-P-A-D-I. It'll never fit. No, it will. Let me try. If you need a laugh and you're on the go, try S-T-O-P-P-P-T-C-O-O. Oh, we are so close. Stop podcasting yourself. A podcast from MaximumFun.org. If you need a laugh and you're on the go. Uh, I was trying to read as many interviews as I could with you before coming into this, and I, I there was I think it was something from Teen Vogue, and I thought this was interesting. As one of the coolest things I get to do with this show is when I I know what I'm going to talk to a person about, I get to suddenly consider that piece of that character, that piece of film, in the context entirely of the conversation, and it, it puts a whole different mm. lens on. Like suddenly, I was like, oh, I totally see how Mulan and Crush are like mm. joined hands movies in conversation, and a thing I was from this. I think it was in Teen Vogue, you said, um, at least as a young woman, I also am trying to not make waves still. Mm. And I wanted to hear about sort of your relationship with that statement and the idea of at that time, like a previous Auli'i being like, yeah, I'm still at a place where I don't really want to make waves. And you went on to talk about in that quote, like learning to relax into yourself to live in your fullest state. I wanted to hear about how you were feeling about the notion of making waves. Like you mentioned, like, the word activism and how loaded that is. You, mm. you mentioned like the meaning and power of your name itself. And I wanted to hear about how is that process of the fullest self? Like, are you able to feel like you're relaxing towards that? Or are you still like, I'm assessing those waves before I make my own? Mm. I realized that I have only been acting for very formative years of my life. And I... That is crazy, Ali'i. That is such a that is such a specific life that yes. so few people actually can relate to. Yes, and it, it is also isn't real life. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I and I, I take it back to my upbringing, where I grew up in Hawaii with a single parent, 
who grew up on food stamps, and now I get gifted clothes. Like, right? You know, like why? I'm, like, and it it it's weird because now that I can afford it, people mm-hmm. send me free shit, and then I have mm-hmm. to think: Is it always like this? And the answer is most oftentimes yes for celebrities. So I exist in like this weird, strange world of guilt and appreciation. Uh, and not making waves is such an interesting way to put it. And I didn't, I don't remember You put that. it that way. No, I know, I know. And I, I imagine that, <sighs> poor babe, poor girl. <laughs> thing I I think the way that I might relate to it now is that like I just need to do more things I need to have more hobbies mm-hmm. I have to make friends who are outside of the industry right that way I can make waves but have them actually be impactful because otherwise I'm a I think my fear of and maybe what I was speaking to a few years ago is public opinion. Like I am so afraid of people not liking me because Mm -hmm. I feel like that directly affects my work. Like if I lose public opinion, then my movies won't, won't do as well. Right. Um, But that doesn't change my need for, for like sustenance because my soul is not necessarily fulfilled by making films. Like it's fun. Yeah. But I I just need to do more. So um yeah, I I'm still figuring out for sh- figuring it out, but that's also why I enjoy playing characters like I said is because right. I then get to take their life experiences and try skateboarding or <laughs> you know, I in uh, all together now I learned how to make donuts. Like just strange <laughs> little things because internally right. Ali'i who has projected this sense of maturity since I began doing a press, a global press for Formula One when I was 14, 15. Yeah. Like internally, I'm very young and I don't have the life experiences that I think many other 21 year olds do because I exist right. on set and I'm playing pretend so often. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I will, I will tell you a silly, uh, a silly thing that is just like uh, you being a public figure. This is something that can be true. I, uh, one of my favorite live performances of a of music on a television set ever is uh your performance at the 2017 Oscars. Mm-hmm. I every once in a while I just pull that up and I'm like I want to be happy. <laughs> and um I remember watching it with friends like we had an Oscar party and half the room was just in tears cuz we're like she's so young and she did such a good job and we were just like you're like collective strangers who were functioning as like your proud aunts at what a great job you had done. And there's this, um, like, I watch it all the way through to the end every time because you're so clearly aware of the scope of the moment and you take this big breath at the very end where you were like, we made it. (laughs) (laughs) We, like, maybe I'm happy about this, maybe I'm not, but all I know right now is I'm alive and I made it through. And I... 
I one of the things that I was so looking forward to asking you about was specifically like wanting to put that kind of moment in conversation with like you coming to this point where you are now playing like an out queer character who like who skateboards and who does art and who's in this sort of like internal little civil war between her passions and her duties. And I wanted to hear about sort of like what is this Ali'i think of that of past Ali when like you when that memory is invoked is it like oh girl she had no idea or it's like oh look how far she's come like what is sort of like the the prevailing emotion that fights through putting that in the context of now I think that you are an excellent interviewer and I'm having a very good time answering these questions Thank because you. they're bringing up memories for me um and I though don't remember much about that performance. Um, I mean, I would assume you blacked out. Yeah, very nearly (laughs) blacked out. Um, (laughs) I was so much of Moana and Moana was so much of me. Mm. Um, I, (laughs) like, truly the movie came out after my 16th birthday. Moana is 16 in her film. I grew up in Hawaii. I... (laughs) I was... I did all the water sports. I was a competitive swimmer. I was on... I, like... with the USA swim team. I was, oh, wow. I paddled. I, my family went fishing all the time down on the beach, camping at the beach. I was <laughs> in water polo. I did not exist on land very well. Um, and I went to an all Hawaiian school. I went to Kamehameha schools. I was a boarder for it for a period of time. And we didn't need to, to read Catcher in the Rye or any of those classic novels. Instead, we read Hawaiiana, which is like truly Hawaiian folklore. So that, like, I, Moana and I truly were the same person. And so when I watch, not that I ever watch my performance, let's start there. But, sure, 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 sure. But, <laughs> but, like, we were so intertwined that, that, um, like, I couldn't fail is the thing. Like, right, that's a great point. Right, right. Yeah, and I... So Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote our music along with Opatai mm-hmm. Fawai'i and Mark Mancina legends. But uh, Philippa Sue, who is an incredible Broadway recording artist, she was my scratch voice. And mm-hmm. like the music was so high that all I could do every single day when I got home from school was practice this music. So I just existed in that wow. space. Um, and now... Now I realize, of course, the importance of separating myself from characters. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's in your, like you talk about sort of how do I take the platform that I have, which I would imagine like y- you're in the difficult position of the position that you hold allows you a sense of possibility, but it also creates a unique set of constraints that you then have to operate into that exist on the most um, amplified level possible. So that's pressure and and that's attention and that that you know, that creates a a landscape where a fear of failure, I would imagine, would be quite amplified. And so what I guess I, a thing I wanted to talk to you about is like, do you feel like the position you are in allows you to do more of what you seek to do that you're still trying to figure out? Or are you still trying to find ways around in the ways in which it creates boundaries for Uh, you to achieve what you want? uh, 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 I Sorry, really like ran in a circle on that, then threw it right at you. I feel that the space that I'm in and the space that I work in hinders um, Mm. who I am, quote unquote, meant to be or the happiest version of myself. Because I I 
my self-worth is tied so closely to working and having a job. And then when I have the job, I'm exhausted and I'm trying to become someone else that I, at the end of it, I am then left ripped wide open again of, I'm, I'm left with all of the emotions of the day that I put out on the table and, and I don't know who I'm left with. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I can talk a big talk of, of how I think that each character helps me to become more empathetic, and I agree with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I'm still desperately trying to figure out what I want to do with my life because I mm-hmm. I think that, like I said, this is this is not real life. <laughs> Yeah, right. And I, I even like when I lived in when I lived in the city of San Francisco, which is a unique place. I remember always telling myself that the moment I started thinking San Francisco was ordinary was the moment I needed to leave. Exactly. Because I never needed to start. The moment I started taking for granted the exceptional nature of where I was was the moment I needed to get out and hit the reset button. Mm-hmm. Because that you when you start to assume that the way you live your life really anywhere for anybody, but the way you live your life is the way life is lived is when it's like, oh, shit, we need to go 30,000 feet away from this and, and figure out some perspective on, on the reality of the situation. Right. And, and I'm young, but I but like it's only hopefully it's only up from here, which means it's mm-hmm. only getting busier. great Um, as somebody who is 36 i can i can say that it does even in the not extraordinary situations of flying around a world and doing press tours great but the thing is the thing is as you get closer to to 36 and beyond you get better at editing you get better Mm -hmm. at editing your experience to figure out what is disposable and what is essential and what bullshit you're just willing to put up with and what you're not so you get you get better at the cost benefit analysis. Okay, I good. Okay, good. I appreciate I that because right now it's just information overload. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. No, I would like to. You know, I maybe I hope this is. I, I hope I love this conversation. I hope this is helpful to say. But what you're expressing, you are in any extraordinary circumstance of being a public figure and and being on press yours and being like, hey, Ali, I'm texting my producer about wanting to have you on the show. Is a thing that people say about you, and um. But at the same time, what you're expressing is also fundamentally true to anyone I know who was ever 21. Like, I give myself over to this thing that I think defines me. It's my relationship. It's my job. It's this hobby that I have. It's this idea of myself. And then I feel like I'm utterly broken open. I've spent it all and I have nothing left to fill the reservoir back up with what is allegedly me. So you're right on time, actually. Thank you, my friend. I really appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that can be productive for you. I hope that can be productive for you to hear. Absolutely. I I also speak to a lot of people who are older than me. And so I have, again, this like faux maturity because I just know how to (laughs) act in social situations when I'm surrounded by people who are not my age. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. so here's here's the thing. Like, and you tell me. This is this is something I was I was very much looking forward to talking about as well. Sort of like the idea of sort of the gravity of the moment, which you've obviously felt. You've already obviously been in big situations that you had to rise to the occasion of. But, you know, it's a lot of pressure on you. But it's also it's also, you know, very cool for all of us (laughs) that like you existing creates a sense of the possible. 
and 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 not even existing in a specific way. I'm not even kidding. Not even existing in a specific way. Existing as you are. Existing sincerely. Um, not according to uh, what might be asked of you, but according to what is authentic to you. Like, you know, you watch Mulan and you're like, God, I feel so much of this character and who she is. And then you become a Disney heroine and you are inextricable. You are inextricable from her and are like, oh, my God, this is so utterly me. I need to disentangle myself. And then through like, you know, the rising tide and the boats going up, like you arrive at a you arrive at a threshold of where we are now. of Like you are starring in a queer um, high school rom-com that's that stars you, that stars you, a queer young woman of color. Um, and in, in, in so doing, becoming a part of that tradition that moves things forward and that hopefully along the way makes things easier for you. Uh, in addition to, you know, for other people who might be watching and, and looking up and being like, thank God. But also for you, like, what is the sense of possibility that your own work creates for yourself, if anything? Like, I, I would love to know, like, what with what each character that you play and the more you do come into yourself and figure out some days are better than others, who you fully are, who you who you who the hell you aren't. Like, <laughs> what is there? Is there a, a sort of new challenge accepted that you're like, OK, I've done this. Now I fucking want this. Yes. Like, and I'm going to plow forward to it. Like, what is what is each thing that you, what is the achievements make possible for you that you can now have that you maybe previously couldn't have imagined? Mm. I am really looking forward to more physicality in my roles and, and truly playing women that are physically so strong. And that, and I'm tired also of the, of like the pretty bows that get wrapped up at the end. Um, and I want to play women who, how do I say this? Have had to compartmentalize and make decisions that are in their best interest and not anyone else's. And I want to get to the end of the movie and mm. still have them do that. <laughs> <laughs> Why, what does physically strong speak to you? What about that um, is like, this is really important to me. Because, because I've played now, um, thankfully through the power, um, a young woman who is figuring it out, but all in all has the, has a supernatural ability of electrocution. And that mm -hmm. doesn't make her feel any safer or any stronger. And so building off of that is like, I enjoyed playing AJ and mm. for the people who end up watching Crush, please do. Uh, <laughs> please do. Please. Have a nice time. Please. Uh, Be good to yourself and watch Crush. <laughs> I, I was running. Like <laughs> I was selling those track sequences with my whole self. Um, there are meets, ladies and gentlemen, and AJ is competing in them. Yes! You know what I mean? Like, I want to believe that I am the character. I suppose I am my worst critic, and I do not believe myself when I see my mm. work on screen. And I think the physicality, though... I believe because I remember mm -hmm. in the moment and I, and I gave my all. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm hoping to do more of in the future. And that's like kind of what I'm building towards. I want to like musicals are fun. Music yeah. is very special to me, but it's also mine. Like what I think yeah. of music and my voice, I mm. 
don't take notes very well, to be honest, because it's my baby. Like that <laughs> right. is that is mine. But yeah. live action is not me. That uh-huh. that I'm trying to connect to a character more deeply every single day. Thank you for you. You've you've been such a beautiful conversationalist in this, and I really appreciate um, you answering my questions and you you being you know taking them on in good faith, like. That's really special, and I really appreciate you taking that time to do that. So I want you to know that. Um, and I, I suppose for like um, for for a wrap up, I will take it to I will zag into like a, a total <laughs> tangential direction to just like give us a non sequitur. Obvi- like you mentioned your voice, <laughs> good voice of an angel. <laughs> um, and we are talking about Mulan. They're the two best Disney um, movies ever made, everybody, are Hercules and Mulan. Come at me, if you will. Come at me, if you will. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I would like to know, it's karaoke night, and you're picking a song from Mulan. Which song are you picking? I say this as somebody who has performed I'll Make a Man Out of You in Karaoke League for competition. That's the song I would have chosen. I'm not choosing the reflection. No, it's too high. <laughs> Leah Salonga knew exactly what she did. She was like, no one's going to be able to sing this song after me. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely seen a supremacy. <laughs> I'm definitely seeing uh, Make a Man Out of You or, or what else would I? Yeah, that's fucking it. Or in Mulan 2, because I did watch the sequel. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's a song like, I'm a rock, huh, huh, I must be hard, huh, huh. Like a rock, huh, huh, you must be hard, huh, huh. Like an oak, mm, you must stand firm, huh, huh, cut quick. <laughs> I don't remember the name of that either. But I do appreciate that you as the person who could be, you as the person who would be the ringer at the bar singing karaoke where everybody would be like, Jesus, they're here every week, aren't they? Because they just know they're better than everyone. <laughs> I appreciate that you didn't pick the song that would be like the vocal flex of them all, which is reflection. You're like, I'm a woman of the people. I'm singing I'll Make a Band Out of I'm you. trying to go unnoticed in the karaoke bar. I am not <laughs> trying to make a scene there. That's also my worst nightmare. Like being invited out to karaoke means that like, people are going to ask me to sing. And I'm like, see, everyone else's stakes are low. Mine are high. The phones are coming out. Flash is on. Rude. Rude. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. I, well, I, um, this has nothing to do with this conversation. But I, I, was in a, I was in a karaoke league for a number of years in San Francisco. And I think the, the greatest thing about that karaoke league was that they... Uh, scored. There were three judges that gave scores, so it was very serious. And they weighted the performances equally on your sing it and your bring it. So oh, stage presence and performance were just as meaningful as as your ability to belt. So see, that's nice though, because then everyone's trying their best, and if I'm trying my best and you're trying my best, <laughs> then we're competing, and I I do love a challenge. I I will sit here and say that could I go could I go toe to toe with you vocally? Absolutely not. But in a sing it and bring it graded graded situation, Ali'i, we're bring it. Like I I I challenge accepted. Right. I, we yeah. Like I I'm like you know what that I could win that if I pick the right song I might be able to win that. No, you're absolutely right. Like I'm limited to the step tap. Like I like you know like I started <laughs> singing in church. Like it's the side to side for me. That's kind of all I've got. <laughs> 
Well, okay, this will be this will be our parting sentiment is uh, me, for some reason, puffing up my chest about karaoke league to somebody who sang at the fucking Oscars. So, um... Auli'i, thank you so much for taking all the time that you have today to join me for this. I have had truly a blast with you. So have I. This, is, this has been my favorite interview I've ever done. And I mean that sincerely. Thank you. My goal is to, um, hopefully, is to try and make people feel something close to that every time. And there, it's only possible when people such as yourself graciously, candidly, and generously allow for that to happen. So thank you for allowing for this to be a very good conversation. It's, it's, it's on the both of us. So thank you very much. I can't wait to talk to you again. Call me up again. Okay? <laughs> Let's do this again. Anytime, anytime. I love to talk. I live in LA. Anytime, I'll leave you. You're a goddamn delight. Wonderful. All right. I know I said it before, but I just have to emphasize my gratitude. Uh, thank you so much to Ali Ikravalio for being such an open and forthcoming partner in conversation. Um, I think I I feel like every time I post an episode, I'm ready to say like, oh, this is one of my favorites because I truly feel like that about every successive conversation. But the specific way in which uh, Ali'i was candid with me here and opened up in a in a like a back and forth in a in a sort of tete a tete way in a let's ask each other questions and get to know one another more in a in a in a deeper and more substantial fashion. That's rare, and um, that's that's the thing that I hope can happen with people when they come on the show. It can only happen if people allow for it to. So thank you for that, Auli'i. Uh, when this interview is over, we all wished we could give each other a big hug, but alas, Zoom, COVID, pandemics, they don't allow for such business. And now, back in the waning moments of 2023, I have one quick thing before I go. It is the last episode of the year, so I thought I'd take a few minutes to share some favorite movie memories from the year that was. And you know, who would I be as the host of Feeling Seen? Who would I be as Jordan Cruciola if I didn't stand up for movies that I felt like got short shrift or maybe just didn't catch the attention of as many people as they should or maybe just deserve an extra shout out for some special details about them? For example, you've all heard of Fast X and plenty of people went to see it, but I think we should all sit again and reflect at the end of 2023 about the absolute dynamo pansexual chaos demon turn of Jason Momoa in that movie who truly takes the film and makes it his complete own. You guys know that I'm an action cinema addict, and if I could turn you toward the direction of some good international options, perhaps Blood and Gold or Sisu, uh, both of those should suit your fancy, and they're they're pretty bombastic. They're pretty fun. If you want some just like brass knuckle, hardcore, relentless action, sure, John Wick 4 came out this year and it was awesome, but maybe you should also check out Extraction 2. Both of the extractions with um, 
Chris Hemsworth on Netflix are actually really good, but two really took the cake for me. I I love that one and the relentlessness of its fight scenes. It, it gets up there toward Wikian levels, so I would highly recommend. <laughs> Guys, I also watched Heart of Stone on Netflix this year, and that movie has the audacity to actually have a Gal Gadot's lead character. Her last name is is truly Stone. So this movie is called Heart of Stone. So it's Heart of Her. This is like like that's like a title if like a Hallmark movie was a gargantuan budget action movie on Netflix. Listen, it's actually more fun than you think it's going to be. If you have waning time left with your family uh, toward this close of the year, watch out Heart of Stone. It should be, I think, an agreeable and innocuous time. You've also got Jamie Dornan giving a pretty smoldering turn that I won't spoil some little details on. Mafia Mama comedy of the year i don't know tony collette doing her eat pray love movie as a mafia don who inherits a criminal enterprise from the dead grandpa she didn't know she had sign me up again i laughed my little tush off in the theater and i think not enough people gave that movie a chance and the ones who did see it uh didn't give it really good reviews and they were all wrong uh andre overdahl came out with the last voyage of the demeter which is actually an outstanding creature feature set on a sailing vessel watch it it's bloody it's brutal it's a vampire story i highly recommend polite society a little action movie that could out of the uk and we had the director nidaman zor on the show when it came out uh just a charming time a feel-good movie a feel-good filmmaker get out there support this film you know what you should also support gerard butler check out Plane. If you didn't take Plane seriously earlier in the year, take it seriously now. We've got Mike Coulter and we've got Gerard Butler in a movie called Plane and they're fighting people. Like, what else do you need to know? I don't need to know anything. And one last thing, shouts out to Dungeons and Dragons. That movie was actually everything I wanted it to be. It was a delightful time. It was cute. It was fun. Chris Pine was charming. As always, Michelle Rodriguez is smirk smoldering. As always, it delivers on like everything that it should. It should have been a sensation this year. Uh, a not a little movie that could, but like a mid big movie that could. And I think we have the chance to redeem its character before twenty twenty three finally goes to a close. And that is the very end of our show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for staying with us. And have a very happy and safe new year. You can follow us on Twitter at Feeling Scene Pod. You can also send us an email at Feeling Scene at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I am Jor Crew on Twitter, J-O-R-C-R-U. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. This show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.